0: If you're wondering why I have my uh, notes here and I have my iPad as well, as I'm really preaching off the iPad because it it makes your fonts pretty big. (laughs) And I like that. Uh, But in case this goes out, I have a backup, okay? So Acts chapter 19, 1 through 10, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So we're not really going to talk about this tonight, but I don't want to leave here without saying that the norm for the first century church was that you would be saved and that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, um, that hasn't changed because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I just want you to know, normal Christianity is that you are saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is the normal Christian life. I know people around you want to say, well, no, that's radical Christian life. Well, we've redefined normal in today's society. They call it radical, but in actuality, uh, that was just normal back then. Okay, So uh, it is the expectation that people would be saved, set free from their their, uh, vices and things that are struggling with in life, and also baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, So anyway, let's get back into this. And uh, it says, there were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now... I, I really feel like maybe somebody somebody's needing this. Maybe you're going through a situation, you're trying to figure something out. And there's a, just a very basic principle we're going to be looking at in here today. But I just want you to see that what we're looking at, I, I believe it's going to apply to somebody very pertinently, whatever situation you're going in. But just kind of a way of introduction, in the book of Acts, Luke has given us an account of the first year of the church and its growth throughout the Roman Empire. A significant portion of his book in Acts has to do with the Apostle Paul. In the book, Paul is uh, introduced to us as one of those that is in, that is uh, uh, persecuting the church, uh, putting people in jail, murdering people, and uh, he's a persecutor of the church, but the Lord revealed himself to him, and then he became one of its chief proponents. In detailing his life, Luke relates to us three of Paul's journeys. We call them uh, first, second, and third missionary journeys. Um, in the first missionary journey, that is in the book of Acts chapter 13, uh, where out of Antioch, the Holy Spirit says, separate from me, Paul and Barnabas, to the work to which I've called them." So they go out, they come back to Antioch, and then they go out again. In our text today, we're going to see Paul heading into a region, the second missionary journey, that he had previously been prevented from going into, and see if we can learn something that will help us today. So, that being said, We're going to begin with Ephesus, and I've just titled this Ephesus the first time around. In Acts 16, 6-10, the Bible says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So in in our text, Paul, on what is his second missionary journey, is prevented from going into Asia where Ephesus is. And by the way, I call this Ephesus the second time around. So the Holy Spirit prevented him from going in there and said, no, this is not where you're going to go. Now, some scriptures, some translations say forbade him. And that's, that's acceptable. I, I like the word prevented. This is not the time for you to go in there. Okay? Um, the Bible says in Romans 8 and 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, I, I, I talked for a moment about being saved. And when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes in you. When you get baptized the Holy, in the Holy Spirit, it's the same Spirit of God, but He comes upon you, and there is a—it's—it's kind of like an activation of power in your life. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit on you—we're um, not going to get too detailed into the, the those things tonight, other than this. The Holy Spirit was given to us to reveal things to us, as we saw last week, and also to lead us. The Holy Spirit is not just something that makes you feel good. It is a being, it is a person, it is the presence of God in our life that is meant to lead us. Jesus, our Savior, we're saved, Jesus is our Savior, but more importantly, our Lord, right? You can be, he can be your Savior and not be your Lord, which means you'll get to heaven, but you're going to have a rough time until you get there. But if you want to experience the victorious Christian life, I'm not talking about a problem-free Christian life. I'm talking about a victorious Christian life. You must recognize and submit to the Lordship of Jesus and His work. Okay? So, But not only that, Jesus was born of the Spirit, He was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and He was led by the Holy Spirit. And the reason I mention that is because Jesus, in the way that He lived His life, is to be our example. He's our Lord, He's our Savior, but He's also our example. In Luke uh, 1.34-35, talking about how Jesus was uh, uh, conceived... Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. So he was, he was God's son, 100% God, 100% human, right? But he was born of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to be born again because he was born from the time that he was conceived. He, he was in union with the Holy Spirit. He was never out, separated from God. But not only that, the Bible says when Jesus in Matthew 3.16 was baptized, immediately he went out from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. So he had the Holy Spirit in him, and then the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon him is when you began to see Jesus activated into ministry. He began to do the works that he was sent to do. Luke four seventeen through nineteen. He took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me." Why is the spirit of God upon him? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So, how did he proclaim the good news by means of the spirit of God? He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. How did he do that by means of the spirit of God? Recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who were oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, you say, well, Jesus was 100 God. Yes, he was. But everything he did on this earth, he did as a man empowered by the Spirit of God. Why did he do that? So he could be our example. And then, when the Spirit of God came upon him, and meaning you'll find in Matthew four and one that Jesus was he was born of the, he was in, in he, he was conceived of the Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon him. But then it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted by the devil. So uh, we see this in Jesus life and as New Testament believers, we're to be led by the Spirit of God. In our text, Paul is led by the Spirit not to go into Asia. I, that was a lot. Why didn't you just lead with that? Well, I had to give you the background. all right? Second point, Ephesus, the second time around in Acts chapter 19 verse 1, which is our beginning text, it says it happened, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus. Now, that may not make sense to you, but I'm going to try to help, it, help you to grasp what's going on here. So, Paul was told by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to guess because it doesn't really say how long ago it was. Some of you may have Bibles that will say two years ago or three years ago, but even then, it's still a guess. But it was around two or three years prior to that, he was told not to go into Asia. Now, that was in Acts chapter 16. Now in Acts chapter 19, Asia is exactly the place where Ephesus is found. Now, two to three years later, Paul finds himself in the place the Holy Spirit told him not to go into. You may say, well, help me make sense of that. Thank you. That's what I'm going to try to do tonight. First, I'm going to make an assumption. But I believe it's a reasonably well-founded assumption. Paul was still a man who was led by the Holy Spirit. Nothing in Paul's life seems to have changed that so far. All right? Will you give me that assumption? All right. Second, therefore, I'm going to build on that foundation and state that Paul was going to Ephesus not out of pure chance, but because he was being led to go there by the Holy Spirit. All right? That's my premise. How did that come about? Well, in Acts 18, 18-21, through 21, the, the chapter previously, the Bible says uh, when Paul was, I believe he was in Corinth, and he was on his way to Antioch. The Bible says, After this, Paul stayed many days longer and took, to, took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centrae he cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews, When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. So what happened here? Paul was going from Corinth back to Antioch. But he wasn't taking the long way around. He was taking the shortcut. Now, I don't know about you. I would always prefer the direct route. In fact, I'm I'm buying some tickets for my family members. And you have options. Uh, cheaper option, one layover, two layover. You know, the uh, more expensive option, nonstop. Well, for me, it's not a question. I'm going nonstop. They said, so, "Well, well, you can get it cheaper." Yeah, but I have to wait twice as long. I have to be in an airport. You know, and then anytime you have to change planes, there's always a possibility of uh, delays. And then the, what ends up being supposed to be four hours becomes eight hours, ten hours, twenty-four hours. No, get on the plane and get there, right? So Paul is taking a, a, a more direct route. And on this more direct route, one of the stops, if you've ever ridden a Greyhound bus, it doesn't just go straight from uh, one place to another. It'll stop in different towns along the way. And one of the places where they stopped along the way was Ephesus. So he wasn't going to Ephesus to minister. He was going to Ephesus on his journey. It was a stopover on his journey back to Antioch. OK, while he was there, he had maybe a day in between or a couple of days in between uh, the ship that he took and the next thing that was going out. I'm not sure how they traveled that day, but I'm sure he took a, a, a layover there and and it was the Sabbath. And so because it was the Sabbath, he went to synagogue. Now, uh, I do the same thing. Uh, you may be different, but I don't care where I'm at in the world. I used to travel a lot. I always went to church, so went down to Costa Rica on vacation Sunday. We went to church. Went to Puerto Rico uh, on vacation. Sunday, we went to church. Oh, why you do that? I thought you're on vacation because to me, church is not a job. It's it's. I enjoy it. I love it. I love to be with the people of God. I love to be in the presence of God. It's just it's something. It's 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 just part of who I am. I am part of the church, and the church is we're we're together. We're one, and I love going there. And I'm sure Paul felt the same way. They didn't have church back then. They had synagogue. Now, also, Paul was pretty good about reaching people for God. So he's thinking, I'm going to be here. uh, There's synagogue tomorrow. Might as well go check it out, see if I could talk to somebody about Jesus, right? So it says in Acts 26, 16 through 18, part of Paul's call, why he did what he did, the Lord appeared to him, and uh, and uh, and and it's it said, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people, from the Gentiles, to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me first corinthians nine sixteen. paul says woe to me if i do not preach the gospel in romans one16 i'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek so going into the synagogue you know paul saw it as a mission field and he was going to do what he does Talk to people about Jesus. More than likely, it was that he was simply going to gather there with the people for worship, maybe look for an opportunity. But he was a rabbi, and it's probable that they asked him to speak, and he took the opportunity to do so. The people there were interested in what he had to say and asked Paul to stay longer, but Paul refused. Yet Paul did add that if the Lord wills, he would return. This reminds me of a scripture in the book of Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles 35, 20-22, it says there was a king by the name of Josiah. Josiah was a good king. He brought revival to the people of God. Uh, When Josiah had prepared the temple, uh, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to meet him. So what was happening was, uh, uh, in the land of Israel, there was a revival going on. Josiah was the king, and then... It it was really a crossroads. Israel was a crossroads. It was a a highway, the king's highway ran through there. And so Pharaoh was going to go fight somebody else. But in order to fight somebody else, he had to kind of get close to Israel's territory, all right? And so Josiah went out to meet him. And Pharaoh sends uh, envoys to him saying, what have we to do with each other, king of Judah? I'm not coming against you this day, but against the house with which I'm at war, and God has commanded me to hurry. See supposing God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Now this guy was not a Christian. <laughs> None of them were Christians. Uh, this guy was not an Israelite. He wasn't part of the people of God. But it's, inter- it's interesting that it, what it will say here in a minute, it says, nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Nico from the mouth of God. God was speaking to Josiah, through Pharaoh Nico, when he said, I didn't come out to fight with you, see supposing me. Josiah should have recognized that God was speaking to him that this was not something you're to be involved in. You might say, well, God, he's not, he's not part of the people of God. God can use a donkey. can he use other people? Alright, so why do you say that? Well, my point is that I believe when they said to Paul... Can you stay a little longer? Paul said, no, but if the Lord wills, I believe maybe that in that, the Lord was talking to Paul. And it was ringing in his ears, okay? I believe that somewhere in the intervening time that he was in Antioch, God spoke to Paul that he could now move into the region of Asia. Remember, Ephesus is in Asia. And why is this important? Because two years prior, God said, no, I forbid you, or you are uh, 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 prevented from going into Asia. Now, why was he not allowed to do so before, and why was he permitted to do so now? Well, that's a good question, and I don't have the full answer as to why. So, that being the case, let's stop and... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think I can, I can draw something out of it, okay? But I can only state... That was It was not the will of God, because Scripture does say that. It was not the will of the Holy Spirit for Him to do so before. But, as we said, with the assumptions that we make, which I think are valid assumptions, it was the will of God for Him to do so now. He was being led by the Holy Spirit to do so. Why? What had changed? The most important thing, the one word that I can probably go away from is timing. The timing of God had changed. It wasn't the right time before, but it was the right time now. And that's the third point, the timing of God. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, and I I just picked this out because it's all riddled with time, right? For everything there is a season, and there is a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, time to heal, time to break down, a time to build up, time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, a time to dance, time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Bottom line is, time changes. Seasons change. In the Old Testament, we have this idea of being led by the Spirit of God and the timing of God portrayed to us in a visible form. you Remember when, when God told Moses to build a tabernacle, when the Israelites built a tabernacle. What happened when they built the tabernacle? It was already there, but what we saw was the cloud by day and the fire by night moved over the tabernacle. And in Numbers 9, 15 through 17, it says, On that day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning, and so it was always. The cloud covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after the people of Israel set out, and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. So here we find that the Israelites did not just go and do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. God was teaching them His ways in the wilderness, and what He did with them is an example to us. And what we find here is a visible manifestation of God's leadership in their life. They would go out every day, and they would check the cloud. If the cloud stayed, they stayed. If the cloud moved, they moved. If the cloud stayed for months at a particular place, they would stay for months. When the cloud moved, they would move. If they moved, and the next day the cloud moved, they would move. What they learn to do is they learn to follow after God. Remember the Scripture I read to you? They that are led by the... They are the mature sons of God. That's the meaning, the, the Greek meaning. It's not they're sons of God, but they are the mature sons of God. Growing up in God, recognizing the Lordship of Christ, we submit to His Lordship, and the way we submit to His Lordship is we submit to His leadership. What did he say to the disciples? Follow me. What do we most of the time say? Jesus, follow me. Wherever I go, you go. But Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, He that would come after me, not before me, not with me, but after me, must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. What does Psalms 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. How is he with them? He's actually a shepherd leads by going in front. Today, we do it differently. We drive the sheep. But back then, they had a relationship with the sheep. The sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. All the shepherd had to do was go in front and begin to sing or begin to call out. and The sheep would get right in line and follow him. Sometimes sheep, we think sheep are dumb, but sometimes they're smarter than us. Turn to somebody and say, he's not talking to me. He's probably talking to you. No. It's those people up there on the camera. That's who we're talking to, all right? So here we find, uh, again, that the Israelites didn't just do whatever they wanted. The cloud by day and the fire by night represented the protection as well as the guidance of God in their lives. When the cloud stayed, so did the people. When the cloud moved, so did the people. Another example I want us to look at in Scripture is King David. The Bible says in Acts 13.22, when he had removed him, talking about Saul, He raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified that his God's testimony about David was, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What does a man after your own heart look like who will do all my will? See, Saul's problem was Saul wanted to do what he wanted to do in the name of God. David wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And that's what made him a man after God's own heart. Uh, and, uh, one particular example I always like to bring out, because it's very pertinent. When David was made king, um, he, they anointed him. He knew what his job was as a king, just kind of like we know what the president's job is. Is He's not only a, a, a president over us, but he's also the, mili- the commander-in-chief of the military. His job is to protect us, to keep us safe. You know, Well, David's job was the same. So when he was anointed king, here's the thing. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king, all the Philistines went out to search for David. But David heard of it, 1 Chronicles 14, 8-10, and he went out against them. Now the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. So he knows his job. He knows the job description. Let's just go fight them. Is that what David did? No. The Bible says David inquired of God. He asked God, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, go up, and I will give them into your hands. So David was always asking God for his will and his direction. He said, well, he said yes. So the Philistines come up again. And you might say to yourself, he said yes last time. I don't have to pray about this one. But that's not what David did. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 14, 13 through 17, so it's just a couple of verses down. And the Philistines yet again made a raid in the valley. And when David again inquired of God, God said to him, You shall not go after them. Go around and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then go out to battle. For God had gone out before you to strike down the arm of the Philistines. And David did as God commanded him and they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer, and the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. So what I'm trying to get you to realize is that David learned the secret to victory was to hear and follow God's leadership and direction in his life. He didn't just assume. He asked. He inquired of God, and God spoke to him and showed him what to do right? So David took the time to inquire of God for his leadership, and he follows God's instruction to the letter. He sought God's will and timing for everything, and just like we, 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 were, we just read about, it wasn't the timing, shall I go up and attack them? And God said, no, go around, wait, and then when you hear this, then the time will be right for you to attack. So even though you may hear from God something, you still got to wait for His timing and follow after God. But my point in all of this was for us to learn from what's happening with Paul. Remember the Scripture, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The leadership of God and the timing of God is what we're really talking about today. There's a timing to the things of God. What may not have been the will of God in one season, And I believe I'm really talking to somebody here. I don't think uh, the Lord, because I wasn't going to talk about this. And I read it and I felt like I was supposed to type it up and write it up. Because maybe somebody's going through that. Maybe somebody out there. But I feel like somebody's going through that. What may not have been the will of God in one season, and that could have been a year ago, two years ago, last week. Now, does not mean that it won't be the will of God in the next? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, God, I prayed about this two weeks ago and you said not to do it. So I'm not gonna do it. And then all of a sudden you hear something in your spirit. Hey, it's time for you to do things. Well, well, the Lord told me not to. Well, it can't be God, it's gotta be the enemy. Well, sometimes it might be the enemy, but sometimes it just might be God. What changed? The timing. What we see from these examples from the pages of Scripture is that we are to follow after God, and that means that there is a timing to the things of God. When Paul went into Asia, into Ephesus, it was the leading of God. We don't know in the end what would have happened if Paul had gone into Ephesus the first time he tried, and was prevented. But we do have a record of what happened this time when the Holy Spirit let him down. And that was our text. He entered the synagogue, Acts 19, 8-12, And for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief... Now remember, you can be in the will of God. It doesn't mean everything's going to go right. But it doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. And he could, you know, uh, some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil the way before the congregation. He withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all, remember that place he wasn't allowed to go into. Now, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. I'll be real honest with you. I'll be happening with just ordinary miracles. But God didn't set the bar at Ordinary Miracles. God set the bar at Extraordinary Miracles. You might say, well, we're not even seeing that, so let's lower the bar. No. We're not going to lower the bar. We're going to keep the bar up here. But we're so far short. Well, we got some work to do. Right? But this is the bar. God was doing, because Paul followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit, God was doing all of Asia heard the word of the Lord and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. So I don't know what would happen if he had gone on the first time, but I do know what happened when he followed the leadership of God the second time. And that's just what I want to encourage you guys is follow God's leadership. Follow his his, his, his guidance in your life. Things always, it doesn't mean they always go smoothly, but things always work out better in the end when we go with God than without Him.